Hey everybody and welcome to the Kickabout. We're back again and it's been a huge weekend at both ends of the table. I'm your host Chris. I'm Fran. And I'm Dan. That was very slick, wasn't it? Didn't even write anything down this week either. Uh, yeah, we're back after a week away. Um, you know, we are COVID-free in the house, which is nice because it's not been great, I'll be honest, in the last week or, week or two with the uh, everyone in the family getting it. So, But all good now, so we're back. And we start, as always, with this. Down the stat, man! So this was the 19th time that Chelsea have scored six-plus goals in a single Premier League game, the joint most of any club, but level with who? 19th time they've scored six or more. Wow. Okay, all right. Well, as always, we will get the answer to that later on. Um, before we dive into a review of the weekend, we're going to try and cover as many or as maybe all of the games this weekend if we can, uh, as we missed out on last week. But we should probably also do a, f- a Premier League fantasy update because... I don't want to be accused of uh, favouritism and only doing it when I'm doing well because I am in fucking free fall <laughs> at the moment because every single decision I make is absolutely just biting me on the backside. I'm currently 17th in the league. I At one point, I think I was as high as about third or fourth yeah, in this. Um, never looking like I was going to challenge you at the top yeah. with the other guys, but you know I was at least in the right end of the table and it's just been awful absolutely dreadful so I've made drastic changes to my team for next weekend in the hope to salvage something from this season um, but leading the way Jordan Thompson um, is now in the lead I don't know if that's looking at the scores I think he may be he's been top for a while has he? I thought yeah. it was that Todos Rentas. no no he's been top me and that Todos Rentas keeps swapping second and third okay um, but uh, yeah he's uh, he's built out a little bit of a gap now at the top um, <coughs> just shy of about 80 odd points now between uh, Jordan and Dan at the top, and then it's reasonably close between second down to sort of... Actually, no, just second and third, isn't it? And there's another drop. So mm. all to play for still, I suppose, with a few weeks to go. Do you think you can nick it at the end? Yeah, I've still got two chips. So what you got left? I've got a free hit and a bench boost. Oh, can be very, uh, very key to time those, right? Mm. So it's going to be awkward, though, if you do win. Why? Well, because like it's we've done a top prize, haven't we? <laughs> Paying fifty quid to somebody on the podcast. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hold it and put it into marketing. Put it in the marketing budget. It's fine. Um, so yeah, um, not great for me, but Dan is still doing pretty well. Who else have we got in the in the top part? Uh, so uh, Dom Hoy Donahue, he's still up there as well. John Minahan. Moynihan, that's a name I've not seen up there. So he, I think he must have been creeping up. He's in fifth place. Lewis Holmes and Dan Berry are still in there. Dave McGregor is still in there. Gary Watson and Victor Chariga has now crept into the top 10. So, um, yeah, I'm really not. I mean, even in the leagues, the other leagues I'm in, I'm just falling away. I assume you're out all the cups now. Oh, yeah. No, I think I went out of <laughs> the cup a few weeks ago now. The um, kickabout cup. Oh, that's due to start, isn't I it? I think it starts this game week. Oh, man. Uh, Kickabout Podcast Cup. I've got Ryan Blakely in the first round. Oh, yeah. Does he still play? Nah. He's one of your mates, isn't he? Nah, doesn't yeah, he? Doesn't stuff. He ain't played it since. Let's have a look. He's in his team. Let's have a little cheeky look. Is he going to tell me? Uh, he's got Patrick Bamford and Lukaku up front. Um, <laughs> click. Yeah, and yeah, he's not he's not playing this game, nah. is he? So if I lose that, I'll be. Get <laughs> if I lose that, I'm going to be very disappointed. So anyway, um, right, moving on then, we will get into the Premier League action. And of course, there is only one place to start. 
with the battle at the top between Man City and Liverpool. A cracking Sunday uh, lunchtime or tea time kickoff, I should say. Um, what do we think? I mean, honours even in the end, but what a game of football this was. Yeah, cracking game. I was saying to before we started recording, I was saying to Fran that it's, it was really refreshing that both teams just seemed to go for it from moment one. There was ne- it seemed to me there was never any thought from either team mm-hmm. that no, we're just going to come here, settle into the game, see how things go, and we'll try and you know nick a win or whatever. It was no, we're we're going for this. We think we're the better team. We're going to go for it. Yeah, to be fair, I thought my sort of pre-game prediction was that it'd be a, like a KG nil-nil that both teams just desperate not to lose it, which is so often the case with these top yeah. of the table type clashes, isn't it? But I'm glad it wasn't. I mean, it was it was so good throughout the entire game. Yeah, well, the stall was set out early when, when De Bruyne scored after like five minutes. Mm. I think maybe if that first goal hadn't have come so early, maybe it would have been yeah, different. Yeah, um, it forced Liverpool to come and attack. It did. And then Liverpool getting that equaliser, you know, inside 10 minutes later, it just, the whole game just sort of took, took on this amazing, it was what's an advert for the Premier League, I suppose is the yeah. easiest way to say it, isn't yeah. it? Um two of the best teams if not the best teams in European football or world football um, going at it hammer and tong um, what do we think of they drew two now didn't they two all in there when they played last time uh, I'm pretty sure it was two all do you know what? I've slept since then. I can't actually, I can't actually remember. Um, but I mean what, what do you think this means for the overall title picture because I think in the lead up to this it seemed like everybody assumed that one or the other would win and they were drawing conclusions based on, you know, people were saying that the title would be over if you, if City won, but the title would still be very much alive if Liverpool won. So what does a draw do for the, the overall picture, do you think? Uh, I think it piles the pressure onto both because now it's both on sort of, they've just got to carry on winning, Neither haven't they? Lose, yeah, they've just got to keep winning all their games. Well, I think if, if City had won, I think the reason people were saying that if City had won, they would win the, win the league is because they would effectively have to have to drop points twice because mm. they would have been four points in front. They're playing each other again at the weekend, aren't they? In yeah, the semi-final of the FA Cup, yeah. So I wonder if we'll see, that. I mean, I should imagine both teams might be a bit different. Yeah, we'll probably seem like... City will still have a... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really matter with yeah. City. Well, they've um, got midweek games, haven't they, now? Champions League, Champions League well, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a busy week for for yeah, both yeah. of these teams. Um, if it, based on what you've seen there, does it change your opinion on who you think is going to win the league? Did you see anything in there that swayed you one way or the other? Um, no, I'm still sticking with City. Is that because you want them to win, or because you think they'll win? Both. <laughs> <laughs> if you were Pep or Klopp, considering you've got a match midweek and then you've got each other again on Saturday, would you? change your squad a little bit for Saturday and then go back to the one you had this... Change your squad a bit midweek, but go back to the squad you've just had against them because it was all right, or would you vary it? In Liverpool, a 3-1 up against Benfica and their games at Anfield, so I can yeah, see them... Yeah, City are away and they've got... It's just 1-0, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so City are in the worst predicament, I would say. But then they are playing a team that just... Sit back. ...plays the most an- yeah. brand of anti-football I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but then they're going to have to come out. There's, they can't just do that again because they're losing the tie. So they're surely going to have to come out a bit. But as you alluded to, if City do rotate, it doesn't really affect them in any way like it does other teams in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, they can put bring in people like Gundogan and Mares and you know who else didn't play at the weekend? Zinchenko. Grealish came off the bench. Grealish came off the bench. So or they can bring in all these players who are all top quality players. Mm-hmm. Um, and then revert back to the team for next weekend if they want to. So an embarrassment of riches with City that he's got so many options. And I think you're right. I think Liverpool will switch it midweek just yeah. because they've got the home advantage. They're 3-1 up. 
Um, they'll bring in people like James Milner. They'll bring in probably Luis Diaz will start. Yeah. Um, Firmino. Firmino will probably start as well. So I think we'll probably see majority of the changes made midweek. I still don't think actually next weekend that they'll actually... Certainly Guardiola, because of the way he rotates, I don't think he'll play the same team next weekend anyway, no, no. just because that's what historically he always yeah, does. I'd be surprised if Gabriel Jesus started again. Yeah, I mean, that raised some eyebrows, didn't it, that mm. selection? Um, what did you make of his performance? Because that was his first Premier League goal since September, I think yeah. I heard them quote sort of saying. He, he played well, but I thought he was very greedy. There was a few times where he managed to get in the box and then he like tried to smash it and sort of put it into the side netting rather than squaring it to someone like Sterling. Yeah, there was, I think there was one I definitely remember where De Bruyne went absolutely fucking yeah, mental yeah, at him. just outside the edge of the area. Yeah. Especially it was, it was De Bruyne who played him in in yeah, the first yeah. place and he didn't give it back to him. Um, yeah, he, he Jesus played very much like a person who had a point to prove mm. and he did it, unfortunately, at the cost at times of, of the team yeah. because if he had made better decisions in those moments then that result would have been different because City largely did dominate that first mm. half mm. and Liverpool perhaps were a little fortunate to only be 2-1 down yeah. at half-time and then second half things changed um, back in Liverpool's favour. Um, so yeah, wonderful game of football. Um, let's uh, move on then to Southampton versus Chelsea um, and our now game correspondent yeah. Dan. I mean, there's two games in two weeks in a row you've been going to see yeah. a live game. Didn't fancy United for a second week in a row, clearly. <laughs> I didn't go up to bloody Liverpool for that. <laughs> uh, but you did instead go down to uh, St Mary's to mm-hmm. visit Southampton, uh, watch them play Chelsea. You were sat in the home end. Yeah, I was with a Saints fan. How, yeah. how, was, how was that? Uh, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> the, guy next, the guy I went with was playing cricket on his phone. That's how uh, much he was enjoying it. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Chelsea bouncing back after a very, very poor two last two games, really. I mean, you could say they were very disappointing midweek against, Ch- uh, against Real Madrid, sorry, when they gave away a couple of goals. Obviously, the weekend before was the 4-1 home defeat against Brentford. So this was... Perhaps just a Southampton, you know, wrong place, wrong time sort of they thing. They needed it, didn't they? Chelsea, yeah. Um, Timo Werner. I was going to say, Timo Werner. He could have had five or it six. It made me how when the commentator was like, he just needs to hit the crossbar and he uh, he could take the goalpost. Did you hear the stat that the last time he scored in the Premier League was against Southampton? Yeah. <laughs> he clearly likes playing against them. Um, I mean, obviously, you being at the game, mm. um, what was what did you make of Chelsea's overall performance other than the scoreline suggests? Yeah, they were unreal. I mean, Southampton hardly touched the ball. Literally from minute one, um, you could tell there was going to be a few goals in that game. And um, the first goal I thought was so good. that Like Mason Mount, I think anyone else is trying to have a shot from there, but he just sort of chested it down and passed it off to Marcus Alonso. Yeah. Um, he just smashed it in. And and we were we were that end of the goal. Um, so we saw the first four goals and then the second half, the other two were at the other end. But I thought Timo Werner was so good, but he just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I wonder Obviously what this will do. Twice, for, yeah, but... I wonder what this will do for his confidence because Romelu Lukaku is still struggling massively he wasn't even on the bench so I don't know if he was ill or injured or... not sure I mean he, he had a little yellow mark next to him on the fantasy Premier League so maybe he's got a, a slight knock <laughs> or something I do think Havertz was very good though yeah, he got he taken off at half time as well. So he's obviously being rested. Yeah, I mean, it's really bad news for Lukaku. Obviously, Havertz is in great form anyway. Mm-hmm. And if Timo Werner suddenly finds him back in there, I mean, Lukaku is not getting anywhere near that team at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I know that having spoken to a couple of Chelsea fans, that Lukaku is not held in particularly high esteem at the moment. No, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, they're very, very frustrated with him and they don't understand why he's playing like he is. I, I mean, when you've, when you've signed 95 million or paid 95 million, sorry, for a striker, you do expect a certain level of quality from that yeah. player. 
Um, you know, every striker goes through barren patches where they don't really score, but you expect to see them still trying to do the right things. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, or a friend of the show, Lee, you obviously you know him from football, um, I was talking to him. He went to see... Did he go and see a game or was it just he watched midweek? I can't remember what it was. Um, he just said Lukaku just does not move. Yeah. You watch him off the ball and he just does not make the runs. He does not get himself into the positions where he's going to get a chance in on goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, Timo Werner, even though he's been not... Great, he was all over the place. He was. But that's what you'll get with Timo Werner all the time, won't you? Even mm-hmm. the third goal, when James Ward-Prowse headed it back for yeah, some reason. I don't know what that was about. Yeah. Um, and Timo Werner was on it like a flash and took it around the goalkeeper. It was really composed. For yeah, somebody who's barely scored, it was a really composed finish yeah, from him. Because that, um, that was his first goal, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, it was the, yeah. the, the second goal was, a, was, in the end, a simple tap-in. Yeah. Um, how many of those Southampton fans were in around you were worried about the 9-0 I kept saying to my mate, I was like, oh, I'm going to get to see one of these famous 9 <laughs> or losses, shall I say. But yeah, it was weird, like, up till loads of people left um, at half-time and just didn't come back. Really? Wow. What was uh, it at half-time? It was 4? Four? 4-0, four yeah. yeah. Um, and then no one really left after the 5th. Um, quite a few people left after the 6th. And then about, it got to like the 70th minute. And then it was like someone had blown a whistle and everyone just sort of got up and left. Well, so it took them to 70 minutes yeah. before they finally <laughs> thought, was, yeah, we're not coming back now. Let's, yeah. let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's Southampton, I don't, I just can't work them out. They go on these amazing runs where everything goes really well for them. Um, and, you know, Chelsea were at it. And I, I don't think Southampton could really have done anything about this. But, Excuse me, certainly a couple of those goals they could have prevented. Mm. I mean, there was a couple of really good goals. Mason Mount's half volley um, was a really sweet strike. Yeah. But, you know, the, the team over in the first one could have been avoided. They've let Kante have a free walk through their mm. midfield. Yeah, literally um, parted like the Red Sea. Yeah, and then obviously it's a really good save, but mm. just fell to team over. I mean, Preston Hoot will even put another centre-back on after like half an hour because they were just so open. Yeah, it's... It was quite... My mate said to me, like, when it was sort of four or so near, he was like, yeah, we'll probably leave before the end just to avoid all the traffic. And then towards the end of the game, and the stadium was, like, empty, and he was like, yeah, we might as well stay till the end. There'll be less traffic. (laughs) (laughs) It's going full reverse. Um, Yeah, but it's a massive result for Chelsea. Um, You know, it's not still beyond the realms of possibility that someone like Arsenal or Spurs at the moment who are in good form Mm. could potentially catch him for third. So it's really important that they they keep winning, especially if they want to... uh, Especially after that Brentford game. Yeah, that was massive to come back because they were humiliated, really, Mm. in that game. Um, So, yeah, massive game for Chelsea midweek. Do you think they can come back against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu? Uh, Anything's possible, but... I don't see it. One hell of a night in yeah. the Champions League. They've got to beat them by three clear goals. Yeah. Yeah, or two and take it to pens. There's no away Potentially. goals. Potentially. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, that works in Chelsea's favour yeah. in this particular instance. There's no away goals. Um, so, right, let's uh, let's switch our attention then to the bottom of the league for a moment. Let's talk Norwich against Burnley. Now, this is, you know, we, when we looked at the fixtures a few weeks ago, we started to try and work out where teams might pick up points. Mm. This was a game that Burnley just had to win. Yeah. They beat Everton midweek, which was a massive result. Yeah. That was a a real sting in the tail for Everton. Um, but to not beat Norwich, I mean, that's damning, isn't it? I mean, mm. I don't. I think there's still more twists and turns to come, but this is a really pivotal result. I think in this it is. I think, yeah, like you said, I think this was a must win, um, especially as obviously Everton got the win in the end against United. But yeah, I just I don't I don't know what fixtures they've got left, but this. 
was obviously their easiest, you would say. On paper, yeah. I mean, if you look at their fixtures now, so they've got West Ham next. God, I mean, that could be three points for Burnley, <laughs> frankly, the way we're playing. Southampton, Wolves, then Watford, Villa, Spurs, um, and then blah, 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 Villa, Newcastle. So they've got an two, okay run in there. three there that are winnable. You know, you know they're not playing... I mean, home against Southampton, that's definitely a winnable game. I, I would argue that every one of them, with the exception of Spurs right now, with how well they're playing, mm. I would argue that every one of those is winnable yeah. for Burnley. Um, and they had chances in this game. And Maxwell Cornet, how on earth oh, he's not I hit the target. Idea, I miss that. Um, that has got to be one of the misses of the season. Yeah. And I quite like him as a player. Yeah, um, he took his, really, his goal really well against Everton midweek. Um, there's been some chatter about Norwich... I, I don't believe it. Nah. I don't. I don't think what this about is them it. staying up. About yeah, that they're still fighting them, and I'm like, I just don't see it. It How would be. How far off are they? Uh, let's have a quick look. I think they're quite a way off still. I think they're eight points off, seven points off. Nah, not a chance. And Everton have got a game in hand as well. So, I mean, it would be probably one of the biggest miracles of it would Premier be League amazing, history yeah. if they turn that round. Watford definitely deserve us. Pay rise, yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, and then the, the other game at the bottom of the table, of course, was was Watford against Leeds. Um, Leeds now have you know they're, they're unbeaten in four now, won three of their last four. Um, they're now eleven points, sorry, nine points clear of of Burnley. Have they done enough now? Do you think to stay up? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Especially with the games Everton have got left because they've got some difficult games. Yeah, I mean it was it's interesting. We I know a couple of Leeds fans, and I know one in particular who travels pretty much to every single game uh, home and away and one of the criticisms we always had about Bielsa was how open they were and yeah. how they and how they played um, just some signs that maybe they're just beginning to stop that I mean I know it's not like they've stopped conceding goals a team yeah. at that end of the league is still going to concede goals but to go to Watford and not concede and win by three yeah. goals is a big result um, you know the, you look through here they only conceded one against Leicester I know they've been battered in one or two others as well but when you watch them play they do just look a little yeah. bit more cohesive a little bit more organised and I think the timing of Calvin Phillips coming back yeah. is really key for them mm. um, next year though I mean it's a massive summer for them because their squad is they've been lucky that there's been three worst teams yeah. in the league um, I mean you know, make no mistake about it they've only got 33 points on a normal season that would still be very much Mm. Um, in in real danger it's only because Burnley Watford and Norwich have been so bad that they're getting away with it so in the summer still a lot of rumours about Calvin Phillips do you think he'll move on? Yeah he's been with United quite a bit hasn't he? So the last last three I've seen has been (laughs) almost the obvious three Mm. now is West Ham Newcastle and United Um, all three of them need a player like Calvin Phillips all three of them have got money to spend um, so they're just yeah I think throwing the links what in around. position we're in when we're getting chucked in with transfer rumours with West Ham and Newcastle. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to break it to you, mate, but you're uh, you know, you're blowing us in the league and you're shit. Well, so. yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I, I think um obviously you guys have been saying now for a little while that the bottom three is where it's at. I think that is, yeah, I think those three are getting ready, especially um, after um, we did Everton a favour. Yeah, I think after after Wednesday, I watched Everton on Wednesday, and of course last weekend when West Ham played them, um, Everton actually did okay against us. Mm. They actually played all right with they just two really poor pieces of defending that we capitalised on and we managed to keep them out. Um, Calvert-Lewin is still not the Calvert-Lewin from last season. Whether he's a one-season wonder, I don't know, mm. but he's not doing the business for them at the moment. But when I watched them against Burnley... They were so bad defensively. They just have these moments where they just switch off. And it's it's almost like they will always give you a chance. 
Um, but against United, they didn't do too bad. But I still, I still think they're in trouble. But that United result is massive for them. Yeah. Well, Pickford made some good saves because Rashford had a couple of chances early on. Um, but yeah. It's- I mean, I said before the game that if they were going to get points off any team, it would be Man United. To be yeah, I just, I mean, if, if you look at the situation with um, with United, I mean, obviously you went out to watch them against mm, um, Leicester. Leicester the week before. So you got to see firsthand how, shit they how bad they were. <laughs> and I know we, we, we joke about it, but when you were watching them, what was your what was your takeaway from how they played and how they set up and being was, able to see them in the flesh? It was boring. Like, and I listened to Gary Neville afterwards saying that he, he was just bored watching them. Um, but there, there was just nothing. There was no creativity. Um, we only seemed to turn like switch it on when Leicester actually scored a goal and we got one back straight away. And then it, it just went back to being dull again and nothing really happened. Like, it's just, for me, all the play... Which is weird. I don't, if we were mid-table, if we were like 12th, I could understand everyone switching off a bit and... It being a bit like, well, season's pretty much Nothing over. to play for, yeah. But we're still fighting for, I wouldn't say top four anymore, but like mathematically we could still finish top four. Mm-hmm. So I don't really understand why all the players are already on the beach. I mean, you can argue they've been on the beach for a long time, really, well, yeah, their performances. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it helps that even the manager is a bit like, well, we're not going to be here next season. So There is just this unbelievable, this, this aura of toxicity mm. around everything that happens with United, both on and off the pitch. Um, and of course, we we you know, when everything's going against you, what you what you don't want is your star player then creating more negative headlines with what he did to that Everton fan. Now, mm-hmm. the Everton fan, in my opinion, certainly the mum is milking this yeah, for everything yeah. it's worth. Um, but you know, the very fact is is that this is a very experienced, world class player should not be being that petulant no. in a situation like that because he's just it's just it's just a never ending battering, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Harry Maguire continues to be a walking meme uh, for United. He was pictured claiming handball against Vidic. Uh, Vidic, uh, Matic, sorry. I wish we had Vidic. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me a really weird look there. I was like, oh yeah, shit, no, it's not him. It's Matic, isn't it? Um, but yeah, just there was just nothing. There was just no inspiration in that team at all. Arguably, your best player for a change was Rashford and he was taken off at half-time. Yeah, I don't really know why. Um to be honest, like I would genuinely start playing people like Phil Jones, Eric Bailly, because I feel like Phil Jones would put his head and his heart in, and we've seen what Phil Jones. Obviously, he's a walking meme as well, but he he does play with passion and he he does want to win games, even though he's just not very good. But. I mean, the the irony is with with him with the situation and this. This was similar with with Solskjaer that he would always just pick the same team. Mm. Um, Phil Jones has played a game not that long ago. He got man of the match. Got man of the match. Played really well. And has he played a minute no, since? I don't even know if he's been on the bench. Um, which I, th- I think that's really harsh. Yeah. You know, I mean, what the fuck does Maguire have to do to be dropped? God knows. Um, well, that's well, I've said it so many times. The problem with the team, I think it's they get picked on social media yeah. rather than. Uh, but you, don't, I mean, when you when you look at the how we were looking at United at the start of the season. Um, everybody thought they were in for a good season. Mm. You know, you've had two years on a charm offensive to get Sancho. You got your man. You bring Ronaldo in, who there was a few question marks at the time because they weren't sure how he was going to integrate. But at the end of the day, he is a natural ball goal scorer. He's a top class mm. player. Um, and it's just all falling apart. I mean, even Sancho now, I mean, he had that a run of maybe five or six games where he's, he was in good form and he's gone right off the boil yeah, again. Uh, Ronaldo is so frustrated with life that he, when he plays up front, that he comes so deep to come and get the ball. They've then got no outlet up front whatsoever. Um, you know, you people like Lingard. Lingard, again, he's not getting a look uh, in. 
what a, wait, I mean, what a waste of a season for him again. He's chopping and changing so many different positions just because how bad everyone's playing. The only player I could say, hands down, has had a good season is De Gea. <laughs> Anybody, I literally can't think of a single player. Maybe Alanga because he's a youngster and you know when he's played, he's done okay. But other than that, I think all the other players should hang their heads in shame. With yeah. That. And they're all on like 200 grand a week. Yeah, I mean... I was listening on TalkSport, listening to one or two of the uh, comments. There was a guy called um, Alex Crooks, I think his name is. He's mm. a United fan. He does tends to do a lot of the late yeah, night I think shows. Yeah, I watch a clip of him. Um, and he was he was scathing about United, as, as obviously every United fan I'm sure is right now. Um, and he was basically saying like, stop picking Pogba. Mm. The guy has no interest in playing for this club. Mm. Um, he has no interest in in working hard for the team. He doesn't bring any quality to the team whatsoever. Stop playing him. You're not, you know, Europe is looking top four is obviously is almost you know good God. I mean, it was it would take something quite astonishing for United to to get top four. Yeah, um, yeah. now because you're relying especially on especially the form Spurs are in. Yeah, you're relying on at least Spurs, if not Arsenal, I mean, to, to fall away. Arsenal and West Ham. And Wolves all lost this weekend, otherwise we'd be even further away. Yeah. Um, so I think he was basically saying just, you know, effectively right, right off the season, play the youngsters, play the players who you actually want to play for the club and just take your racks, take your rap story and move on. But stop playing players who do not give a shit about the club. Mm. Um, and I have to say, all told, for somebody who is meant to be the um, the, the, the grandfather of the Gigan press... United press has been woeful mm. ever since he's come in. There's been no evidence whatsoever. Maybe he hasn't got the players to do it. I don't know. But there's been no evidence of an effective pressing system. And a manager of his supposed ability that was being talked about in such high regard by people like Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp, I mean, maybe they were winding us all up. I don't know. But Jurgen Klopp even said it's not good news for the league that he's coming to United, mm. seemingly suggesting that Man United were about to get a massive upgrade. And if anything, you've gone backwards. Yeah, and I part of me hopes that he does leave um, in the summer because it's just whenever he does or doesn't play, it's just all the focus is on him. Like if he's talking about honest, Pogba. Oh, sorry, I was thought you were talking about Ronaldo. Then. Oh well, uh, I mean any of them really. I mean they all fall in the same category. Yeah, I mean, don't both. They? Well, Pogba's gonna leave, and I hope he does. Um, but yeah, Ronaldo. I mean, it's just it's just all about him mm. all the time. What do you make? Obviously, since we last recorded, it sounds like Ten Hag is is coming. Mm. Does it appear to have been a little bit of a hold up because it was probably three or four days ago now, at least, that I saw the notification come up on my phone to say that he was imminent. It's all gone very quiet From again. What I've heard it's because they don't want to announce anything while Ajax are still fighting for the league and fighting for the cup. I mean, it's a very badly kept secret if that's the case. Yeah. Everyone knows, even all the Ajax fans know it's happening. They're yeah. interviewing some of them on Sky Sports. But I, I don't know if it was you I said too or someone else, but I also heard like another sort of rumour that they're waiting to see what happens with the league. And obviously, as soon as clicks and bad sort of vibes come out online, they'll do this. Oh, we've just signed so that all the clicks come back and all the oh, positive vibes mean. come back. And... All that social media stuff yeah. again. Yeah. Which we know the club is obviously all about. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I mean, I've heard some rumours about Ten Hag that he is waiting to get positive confirmation that he is going to be very much in control of transfers mm. and what happens with the club. Supposedly, he has told them that he wants five years or a leeway for five years to sort this club out because he said there's so much to to mm. clean. He said you're a million miles off of Champions League, etc. And I. It, that makes it sound like he knows what he's walking yeah, into, yeah. but at the same time, I'm not. Can anybody really understand exactly what you're walking into when you see the performances that they're shelling out right now? I mean, I, I saw 
someone talking about like Wayne Rooney. When Wayne Rooney came to the club, he was a diehard Everton fan. Um, but he was more of a United fan and United player than any of these players. Yeah. Have you watched the documentary on Wayne Rooney? I didn't know there was one. No. Oh, man. It's actually banging. Is it? What's it on, on Netflix? Amazon. On Amazon. Oh, is it another one of these Amazon jobs? Yeah, but it's genuinely banging. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Man. Okay. You have to give that a watch. Go into all his um, after football deviances. It's like, <laughs> they do talk about that, <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah, him and Colleen. But it's more like I didn't appreciate how much when he was young, he was just literally thrown into football and how much he was ripped for not having any like media training or anything like that and people just thought he was a fucking idiot because that's what he come across like but yeah he just wanted to play football mm. and how much he just played obviously i know every footballer does it when he was injured and all this sort of stuff but it's actually really interesting yeah i'll have to give that a watch um but yeah so just to sort of kind of circle off this uh talk about united um when you when you saw that performance against everton and leicester what do you what do you think is realistic for the rest of the season for United? Do you really think that you're just gonna this is this is it now for the rest I, of the season? Yeah, I think we're just gonna stumble along and Do you think you're gonna finish. miss out on Europe completely? Probably. Um I don't even know if that's a bad thing, to be honest. Um I'd like to finish at least Europa League because then next season if we do get Ten Hag, you know, if we're playing teams like Astana or not to put any disrespect on them, but he can play you can experiment a bit. You can play some youth players or you can play some different formations, etc. Yeah. Um, what is it? Europa fifth and then what are the other two? Europa's Europa fifth and sixth. Fifth, and, and then, then what's Europa the Europa conference. That's what Tottenham's in, isn't it? They were in they it, were, yeah. That's yeah. what yeah. Leicester is in. Leicester in it now. Yeah. yeah. But they're, they're only in it because they got knocked out of the group stages in Europa. That's seven, yeah. I don't really want to be in Europa Conference League. Not, but then you would still have, you'd have even more of an opportunity, you could argue, know, because the calibre of the teams. It's bad enough being in Europa League. It's even more embarrassing <laughs> than the Europa Conference League. So would you genuinely take no Europe I'd rather take over Conference? Seventh, yeah. Wow, okay. I'd just play... Like the hair up front, if we were, <laughs> just draw names and positions <laughs> yeah. out of a hat before the yeah. game starts. Um, okay, all right. Well, um, that's going to round off our first half of the show. When we come back, we will jump into the rest of the games of the weekend. See you in a bit. Everybody, and welcome back to the show. Um, before we jump into the section from Will, I uh, just wanted to make everyone aware that this was supposed to be last week's uh, clip. So it is slightly uh, out of date, but uh, the information that he's about to provide is no less relevant. So over to you, Will. Hello, everybody. I'm going to be talking about Everton as they published their accounts for the 2020-21 season recently. Uh, So we've mentioned them a few times um, just because of how close to the line they've been with financial fair play and everything like that and the rumours surrounding their financial situation. So these results just give us a bit more information in depth into what's actually happening at the club at the moment. So Everton reported a record turnover of £193.1 million, but this was not enough to offset the large-scale outgoings and prevent a heavy loss for the year, which stood at £120.9 million. 
In a statement published um, when the results were released, Denise Barrett-Baxendale, who's their CEO, said that the figures reflected the continued investment made as we strive to achieve our long-term strategic vision of delivering European qualification, success through trophies, and a new state-of-the-art stadium. So what else could we find uh, in the report? So Everton spent £182 million on wages. This was up £17 million from the previous year. This was because of the arrival of uh, James Rodriguez, Alan, Ben Godfrey and maybe Decore as well. Um, so it estimated their average weekly salary for the playing squad to be around £85,000 a week, which was the eighth highest in the division. Um, Everton's total wage to turnover ratio increased from 89% um, up to 95%. And also their sponsorship and advertising and merchandising revenue fell from 63.7 million to 35.5 million pounds. This was mainly because um, of the receipt of a one-off payment in the previous year from USM uh, for the purchase option for the naming rights for the new stadium, which was 30 million pounds. So despite these heavy losses, um, Everton still insist that they are fully compliant with the Premier League's profit and sustainability rules, which allow for a maximum combined losses of £105 million over their usual three-year cycles. But if we look at Everton's accumulated losses over that cycle, it is an estimated £255 million, which is comfortably in excess of this benchmark set by the Premier League. So they've given some reasons for the losses as well. So there was um, the amount of £20.3 million, uh, which they attributed to uh, the planning permission towards their new stadium. Um, but their biggest figures uh, was that Everton have attributed a colossal £170 million of their losses over the past two financial years to the impact of COVID. 103 in 2021 and 67 million in 2020. But this is actually quite a large amount. So if you look at another club like Leicester, who are fairly comparable, they reported a loss of 50 million pounds due to COVID-19. So that Everton is about 120 million pounds more than uh, Leicester were in comparison. But despite uh, rumours in the past six months suggesting that the British-Iranian billionaire uh, Mashiri was looking to get out of Everton, it actually shows his continued support for the club just to keep it afloat. So overall, these accounts show that he has made an additional £242 million available for Everton to keep the club going through these difficult times. So we're looking at a similar situation to we have with Chelsea over the past 20 years where they had an over-reliance on Abramovich. So if it's going this way, it's just not going to be good for the club in the long run. But what does it mean? So at the moment, they're still claiming that they are in compliance with the financial fair play rules. But I think the Premier League and others will look into their financial um, outgoings and everything like that at the moment. Will it mean fines? Will it mean points reductions? Probably not this season because if there anything was to be found, it would have to be found pretty quickly. But it looks like they could receive punishment maybe next season, but Everton will have the chance to appeal it. But the fact that they're just so far over the 105 million losses permitted by the Premier League, I think an investigation will take place. That's all for me this week and I'll be back next week with some more business news in football.
thank you for that, Will. So he will be back again next week um, with uh, with some more news in football. I mean, that's some pretty shocking stuff that he's just revealed there about Everton. Mm. 170 million operating losses, I think he said, um, which is, what, 120 million more than Leicester? Yeah. I mean, what are they what were they doing in COVID? I mean, are they trying to <laughs> are they trying to hide some of their losses or something? Because how have they lost that much money? Goodness. Um made some poor transfers, yeah. It, I mean the Everton situation, we didn't talk about it when we were talking about the game itself, but whilst we're on the on the new on the topic, I heard a um an Everton sort of like fan group, if you like, one of their leaders in, in, in that he gave an interview to either Sky Sports or TalkSport and he was basically saying, make no mistake about it, if we get relegated, we could very, very well become the new Sunderland mm. in yeah. terms of the, because of the financial situation the club is in and how poorly it's been run, don't don't be surprised if we see Everton fall through the leagues yeah. um, because the amount of players they're going to have to get rid of for cheap because none of them are going to have um, relegation release clauses in no. their contract because at the time when they were signed, there was never any danger of them being relegated. Mm. Um so yeah, they they are in big trouble. I mean, it, it looks a little bit more likely now that they are going to survive. Um, but if they do go down, I mean, that is catastrophic for them. I don't know what would happen with the stadium because, no. as far as I know, it's kind of been signed off and it's sort of you know at the last stages, if you like. Mm-hmm. Does that relegation mean that that doesn't happen and all the money they've invested into that it doesn't go forward? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, no. it's uh, it's worrying times. I think if you're an Everton fan, yeah. Um, right, let's move on. Let's talk um, about some more stuff to do with the top uh, top six uh, battle. Uh, we'll start with the game at the Brentford Community Stadium between Brentford and West Ham United. Probably the worst performance from West Ham I've seen all season. Um, uh, we were so bad. I mean, there's a bit of a European hangover here because we played Leon midweek. Yeah. Um, do you think you're struggling now with the whole European thing? We've been struggling for a couple of months, I think. Um, but I wanted to have a bit of a, a bit of a moan about this. It's not the first time I've mentioned the lack of rotation from Moyes, but I think that it's becoming a bit of last, yeah, <laughs> it's becoming a bit of a joke now because he is he's just asking. I think he's asking too much of these players. Um, I really wish I had the time earlier today um, before we started recording to go through and look at how many minutes some of our bench players have I'm thinking people like Yarmolenko Noble um, uh, what's his name Masuaku and, and these players are not as good as the first team players I'm not trying to suggest that but you can use these players in intelligent ways you know don't change six players for a Premier League game change one or two Yeah. And do it every other week just give key players a, a week or two uh, breather I mean Antonio is just so far off off the pace. It's unbelievable. He was so bad. I cannot explain how bad he was against <laughs> Brentford. Um, Declan Rice was missing at the weekend. I mean, he tried his best. He did some usual good stuff, but he was nowhere near near the pace. Um, Bowen was quiet. Um, Suchek was quiet. Like the, the entire team just looked just so either very, very tired or just like they were so desperate to not get injured because of Thursday. And, of course, we've ended up with Zuma rolling his ankle. He may now miss Thursday. Um, Fair play to Brentford. I thought they were brilliant. Christian Eriksen just battered us all game long. His his pass completion rate must have been close to 100%. He's got to be one of the signings of the uh, window, isn't he? Yeah, I was going to ask that question, actually, as to who we think might be the signing of the January window. Christian Eriksen is definitely in that that bracket. Um, but they were just so much better on the ball. They passed the ball with purpose. They they had energy about them. West Ham struggled to complete two or three passes. And I think we had one shot on target in the entire game, mm. um, which is just not good enough. And I think 
Um, we've got a number of young players who have not seen any minutes this season. We've got Yarmolenko, who, for all his negative stuff, and I've been critical of him in the past, he scored a couple of very important goals for us recently, and he's a bit of a man on a mission with everything that's going on in his life, and yet he barely has had a look in since he got that winner for West Ham against Seville the other week. Um, and I just think, you know, Moyes is... I, I still don't know for 100% whose fault it is that we didn't sign anyone in January. I hear rumours about that there was money available and Moyes didn't sign anybody. And then I hear a rumour that actually there wasn't as much money available and we were using it for some debt consolidation and we were going to then spend it in the summer instead. Right. So I don't know who to blame is. But what I do know is that Moyes is compounding an already bad situation and making it worse. Um he changes the same two or three players every single week. Effectively, we might as well turn up with a squad of 13 or 14 every week because that's all the players he's using. Um, and, you know, Mark Noble is not the player he was. Masawaku, as long as you don't put him left back, can do a job somewhere. Um, Yarmolenko can come on and do a job or at least give him an hour, give him the first hour and then bring on Bowen or towards the end. I just, I just really, I'm really worried that West Ham, you know, there's been so much positivity around the club this year and last year. To go deep into the Europa League, if we lose on Thursday, I don't know whether West Ham players are going to have the stomach to pick it up again and try and get top six before the end of the season because it feels to me like Europe is keeping them going at the moment. Like that extra motivation of knowing they've got a big game Thursday and that adrenaline and motivation of playing in a big European night is keeping them going. If that disappears, I feel like everyone's just going to go, oh, yeah. and the, the all remaining energy is just going to completely disappear. Are you home or away? away so it's a very different yeah. mix of of, uh, of how that game is going to be when we were at home for the second leg last time I mean the game's in the balance I mean the game itself I mean we effectively were playing against 12 the referee was so fucking bad mm. it was it was an awful decision to send Creswell off I think um, I'm not entirely sure it was even a foul mm. it was so little contact and then when Dembele winks to the camera you know you've been done um, but to to get the goal and defend well with 10 men for an entire half you know, it gives us a chance. Um, and it's, you know, it's all to play for. It's effectively now a fresh 90 minute game because it's level. So mm-hmm. with the way goals not counting, but they did pass us to death at times and Dombele was influential and they got some good players. And if we don't have Zuma, that's a big loss yeah. for Thursday. So yeah, I do worry for West Ham. I don't, it, it won't be the worst thing in the world if West Ham don't get Europe next season. I think we've just come to expect already after 18 months of performing well, that yeah. that's where we deserve to be when, we probably don't because we've only just got there. We don't, we don't have a God-given right to get Europe. Mm. But if West Ham want to keep rising, if they want to convince him that we're the club that can help him achieve some of his ambitions, we have to be in Europe and we have to spend a lot of money in the summer to yeah. convince him that we're we're going to back the players, the team, the club, the manager, etc. Um, so massive summer ahead. I think if we can... The only thing that's that's my saving grace at the moment is that United and Wolves are looking very, very poor at the moment. Mm. Um, and that might just save us if we can sneak a result. But we've got some tricky games. We've got City, Arsenal to play. Have we got... No, we've done Spurs twice now. Um, we played you a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. So that was the second one. Um, so we've, we have got some tricky games to come. So... I don't know. Uh, maybe one, if we're out of Europe, maybe we'll see a change in Moyes. Maybe that was that will be the trigger for him to say, right, okay, enough's enough. Let's give Noble a few last games of the season to s- sign off his career because he retires in the season, of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really frustrating. But yeah, take nothing away from Brentford. I thought they were superb. And Bremo destroyed us all game long. Um, Christian Eriksen, that midfield was just. He's a dream. If he could go back to Spurs, I'd be well, there's rumours they want him. Yeah, I fucking want him. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, him. I think he's not going to be. I mean, Brentford was 
a godsend for him. I mean, Moyes has come out and done the usual. We could have signed him. Yeah, of course you fucking could have. Yeah, you, yeah. you said that about Luis Diaz as well. Stop, you know, stop talking I don't shit. See, it's not like a a good thing that you're missing out on yeah. these players. I don't understand why. He's, he's criticising himself. No, exactly. Yeah. So what you're saying is you didn't do a very good job <laughs> twice, is what you're saying. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Christian Eriksen is going to have uh, a short, a particularly short no. list of suitors. I think is he just done like a one year, deal six month? Yeah, six so he'll be, oh, he'll be on a free in in the summer. Spurs. I mean, he was at he was with uh, Conte at Inter Milan, so there is a link there to yeah. bring him back to Spurs. Yes. Oh my God, back. Um, I think there's a position for him at Spurs because yeah. I think central midfield is an area that Spurs can probably do a strengthening Especially up. Cam as well, because I'm pretty sure I saw that Spurs are looking for a Cam so that Harry Kane doesn't have to drop so deep. Just yeah. fucking get Harrison back. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. make it happen. Just make it happen. Um, I mean, frankly, I'd, I'd have him in a in a heartbeat at oh, West Ham. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, while we're on the topic, we said uh, I was going to ask about the the, the signings of the, of the January window. There's been a couple of signings that have turned out to be really good. Mine is Kulisevsky. Yeah. I think he's been outstanding. We'll talk about Spurs in a minute. But, I mean, Harry... Harry? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, Everton have obviously not committed any money this year. Yeah. But... Um, they're going to have to pay. So I, I can't remember what the structure of the deal was. I remember that um, Will was going through mm. it. I can't remember if it's based on appearances or whether they have committed. It was like thirty or forty million. Is he played for, much. Nah. I've actually not had anything. He's on the bench. Him. He's literally yeah. just sitting there on the bench with his arm yeah. in the back, just looking with like Donny. <laughs> well, at least he's injured. Yeah, it's not like he's not being picked. Yeah. Um, I mean, where does Deli Ali go from here? I mean, is his career done? Yeah, and what is he like? Twenty five. I'm trying to think of other players whose careers have done something he's similar. Not I'm thinking like people like Danny Drinkwater, mm. um, David Bentley back in the day. At least Deli Alley is actually like a decent talent. Like it just takes me back to the um, Spurs documentary where Mourinho sort of points him out and says, "You're so lazy." Mm. Yeah, and we all kind of criticise Jose for his man management, mm. the way he treats players. But I think in hindsight, you have to probably apologise to Jose and yeah. say so you were you were spot on right, because yeah. you've had now three managers. Three managers? Four, four managers. Camp Nuno, Conte. Nuno, Conte, Mourinho, and now Lampard. Four managers don't fancy him. There must be something more to, to this mm. than, than just he doesn't fit the style of play. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Ali's got a big decision to make yeah. in his career. He even This is his career. This is his legacy as it is now, or he does something about mm. it. Um, maybe a drop down in the championship is just what he needs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would either be uh, Kulisevsky or Eriksson, I think. Yeah. Luis Diaz? Yeah, he's been unreal to be fair, but he's still very much a on-off player. Um, whereas Kulisevsky has obviously come straight in and playing every single game, and he, he he has a hand in a goal every single match. Yeah, I would almost go as far to say that Kulisevsky is one of, if not the main reason, that you've suddenly seen a sh- sharp yeah. upturn in performances yeah. from Kane and Son, mm-hmm. because it feels like they're both playing with a little bit more freedom because there's somebody else now mm. who can make things happen. And before there was so much pressure on Kane and Son to make yeah. it happen. And all of a sudden, we're now seeing Kane playing a little bit like his old self. Son is banging him away for fun. I mean, he's not been mentioned in any player of the season commentary so far, which I think is really it's unfair. Because he's isn't he the second he yeah, scored? He's catching up on the He's now. um, I think he scored the most goals in open play of any player yeah, yeah. in the in the league. So yeah. to not include Son in in the player of the season talk, I think, is very harsh. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, th- what four weeks ago? Conte gave that interview where he looked like he had given up, mm. completely and utterly given up. And now all of a sudden we're we've switched around. Arsenal were on the 
you know, having a massive blip. Spurs have taken complete control of that fourth spot. And as things stand right now, there's no other competition for that fourth no. spot for, for uh, Spurs. I think the uh, injuries Arsenal have taken on board have, have absolutely hammered them, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, the thing that will get Spurs is if one of them gets injured. What Kane or Son? But I think with Kulisewski, I think you've you've cr- you've created a backup, haven't you? Yeah, you know, like, sure. He won't obviously. And he'll never replace Kane, of course. No. But he gives you that outlet that you've not had. Equally, I mean, like Lucas Moore and that, they're not bad. Like they'll do a good job if something did happen. Yeah, and they can they can come in and complement mm-hmm. um, the who, team now. I think also they're benefiting because they don't have any European matches. Yeah, maybe we're at that point in the season where you know the lack of energy from one or two of the other teams is. Yeah, always, you say that though. I mean, Man United. Only dropped out of Europe the other week. Mm. To be fair, though, um, he's counting United. And they've not, they can't be sure of energy because they don't fucking try in games anyway. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> I, I do think Spurs are probably going to benefit from the fact that they don't have midweek games and stuff like that. Europe this no, but I think the nature with Arsenal being a very young side is that they are going to go through these blips mm. where all of a sudden the form dips and they don't quite have that experience to get through it as quickly as an more experienced team. Um, but I think I, we have to take it. Spurs, That's the thing. I mean, you know, Conte looked yeah, for I mean, all I the saw. world like it wasn't going to happen. And all of a sudden, if they do get Champions League, I think you have to say this has been an amazing season for Spurs. I all saw of a on BBC Sport they were saying, like, is Conte performing a miracle? I'm like, I wouldn't say it was I a, miracle. a miracle. No. That's slightly offensive. Well, <laughs> especially, as we say, given three or four weeks ago, he literally gave one of the most depressing interviews yeah. I've yeah, ever then, seen. Like, look at Arsenal. At the start of the season, we were like, fucking hell, they're going to be relegated. And then they were <laughs> Like the mm. f- football teams turn around so quickly. Yeah. That is all it can't... takes is a couple of poor results. Isn't exactly, it? or a couple of good results, and then everyone's like, like what a month ago, two months ago, everyone was a bit like, oh, Harry Kane's wank, like Son's not really performing, and yeah. now everyone's like, oh my god, Son and Kane are like the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean? I mean, this is probably a perfect example of fickle football fans, right? Because mm. yeah. I'm also seeing a lot online at the moment about Arsenal and about how they're. Losing patience with Arteta again. Oh, stop it. Oh, fucking hell. Like, this bloke has got you to the verge of Champions League. With a squad of kids, really. Yeah. Arsenal, yeah, they're a good squad. But Son and Kane are absolutely smashing it. Yeah. They? Arsenal are struggling because, as you say, those injuries in very key positions. They don't they have lost the... T&E and they lost Partey. And they don't have the depth in those no. positions. And Lacazette isn't a goal scorer. Not anymore, no. Um, they're playing Xhaka at left-back, mm. um, which is not a good idea. I mean, surely they've it got somebody else. It says a lot else. about that Tavares, doesn't it? Mm. He's got brought off after 35 minutes, then brought off at half-time, and now Xhaka's being played ahead of him. Yeah, he's not, not favoured right now. Um, so let's, um, let's just move on. Let's just talk about Spurs, actually. Let's talk about the Aston Villa game. Um, nine goals in two games now for Spurs after the 5-1 demolition of Newcastle last weekend um, I mean it, it, the, the, in fairness I think the, the scoreline actually flattered Spurs a little bit in this game because I didn't I think I honestly don't know the first half how they how it was one that, like they were Aston Villa were all over them yeah and they missed all a couple of very I mean Danny Ings missed a really great yeah, chance yeah, yeah. Um, there was other people who I think Ollie Watkins had one or two decent efforts that were either saved or missed um, so I think 4-0 it felt like a bit of a smash and grab in the end and they're just Spurs I suppose it's a symptom of a team who's in good form that you know they're clinical they took their chances well, I mean, when they came didn't Gerard say like he just didn't know what to say to them because he was like really proud of them for mm. what they've done he was like I didn't know what to say to them because Villa were good just Tottenham just smashed out at the end well I mean where are Villa at the moment 
They've had such a weird season, haven't they? Yeah, I think they've just... had a lot of losses recently. They've had like four losses. I, I think they're right. just sort of crawling towards the finish line, aren't they? They're doing alright. Yeah, I mean, you look at the table at the moment. They're currently sitting in twelfth. Um, obviously, you would imagine, unless something crazy happens, absolutely no danger whatsoever of being relegated. The highest realistically they're going to be able to get is probably ninth, mm. um, because you would argue, you would think that Wolves by this point are too far beyond. Um, although Leicester have got three games in hand on, on them, so Leicester could work themselves into a uh, potential seventh place um, charge if they win those three in hand. Um, but yeah, Villa lost the last four. They've been very hit and miss. I mean, I don't really know what to make of their season. It's been a bit meh, hasn't it? I don't think Ings and Watkins work very well together, to be honest. I think you can... Because, I mean, Gerard said he doesn't want two of his best players sat on the bench, but I, I think you have to. I just don't think they... when Whenever I've seen them play together... They just don't seem to do that well. And I prefer Watkins over Danny Ings, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, he might have a decision to make on that in the mm. summer. Um, it really depends on what... Well, he's, got two, he's got two choices. He either sticks with his current formation with the one-up that he likes to play mm. and he continues to try and find a way to make Ings and Watkins work or he uh, has to adjust his formation and play two up yeah. and then try and get them working together that way third option of course is to really, is to get rid of one of them and as you write what, the, the only choice there is is, is Ings yeah. Watkins yeah. is young mm-hmm. um, he's got more in him and you know Ings is a good a player he, as he is it's not a decision no. really that's going to be that's going to be a very straightforward one um, what do we think of Coutinho I mean the he started off really well not in the, this game but just when he yeah started. he got off the ball a little but what I mean he's still obviously a very very good player he had influence in this game as well um where do you see his future? Because apparently he's happy to stay at Villa. Villa have got plenty of money behind yeah. them, so they could afford his wages, even though he would have to take a big cut. Do you think he might set his sights a little bit higher, though? I don't. I haven't really heard many other teams sniffing around him, though. To be honest, no. Um, I mean, his wages might be the reason for that. Mm. If he's still, if he's still demanding, and he's nearly thirty now, isn't he? Well, no, his weight. I'm pretty sure he's on something silly like three hundred k a week yeah. at Barcelona. Um, Aston Villa are, are probably paying half of that ish I would think um, there is no way in a million years he's getting 300k a week anywhere else uh, unless he goes abroad somewhere to like yeah. Dubai or something um, I, I, I can I can see him staying at Villa but I just wonder whether at his age he thinks have I got one last big move in me to go to a bigger to go to a bigger club may not even be in England yeah, might be abroad say, somewhere what if, in the Prem where would he go Arsenal? Yeah. yeah. Arsenal are a club that can do with it. Spurs? I mean, you could you could make a case for saying okay. that Arsenal, Spurs, United, West Ham have all got room for a player of Coutinho's ability yeah. and type. I mean, he wouldn't go to United. No one would win. You might get, you might get a call-up. You got, and you got a gammy knee. More, <laughs> more from his Liverpool point no. of view. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ever, Everton is a no-no. Man United is probably a no-no. I think Spurs um, is the cam. It'd be very good. Yeah, um, going there along with Ericsson mm. gives them. If they're going to end up in Champions League, then they're going to need a bigger squad full of yeah. big, more depth. So you know, having two quality cams in there it makes makes sense. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think it, we'll we'll find out a bit about Coutinho's ambitions. I suppose if he decides to stay at Villa, it either means he's just happy playing football again yeah. and he's he loves the club, loves playing for Gerrard, or it's because no one wants him. Mm. Um, or if he goes somewhere else, maybe we just find out his ambitions. And a club, a person like Coutinho, I wonder if he'll go back to Brazil to finish his career. Yeah. Um, so he'll do one big move, 
whether it's here or abroad, and then maybe go home. Coming up. Yeah, that's very true. So he's going to want to be playing in a in a team that's mm. performing well. Um, Brazil are favourites as they always seem to be ahead of every World Cup. Yeah. I know they've improved; they're defensively a lot better than they were. But they've got five star skills. <laughs> so um, right, okay. Um, let's move on. We're going to talk uh, finally then about uh, the Friday night game, which was Newcastle against Wolves. Um, Newcastle, you know, they've not been at it as much. That stops a run no. of three three losses. Um, a big win actually to 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 get a one 0 win over Wolves. That's not to be yeah, sniffed that's at. Good for them. Um, 10 points now clear of the relegation zone. You would imagine that that is enough. They've got to stay up, surely. Um, which is massive, so job done as far as Eddie Howe's concerned. Bruno Grimarish now, just beginning to look like a player, yeah, isn't he? he's starting to get some game time now. Yeah, yeah. and he's, he's he looked really good on Friday night in patches. Um, I think they've... I mean, from West Ham's point of view, it's quite good that they have bought him because he did play for Leon, so it's one... With their yeah. better players out of the way, um, but yeah, he looks like a sort of player that you know, giving his age and stuff, that he could be that first mm. piece of that puzzle that Newcastle are no doubt trying to create to make them a, a superpower in English football. Um, so yeah, I mean, ahead of ahead of next season, um, how many of that current starting eleven do you think are I still going to be gonna there? I was actually going to say to you. Obviously, Chris Wood's just gone there. Do you think he'll still be their number nine next season? Not a chance. <laughs> Not in a minute. <laughs> if he's still their number nine next season, their main number nine, then it's a serious failure for Newcastle in the summer to yeah. get another striker in. Um, especially when they've got Callum Wilson, he'll probably come back as well. Mm. I mean, he's already behind the pecking order with Callum Wilson. It's just that he's injured. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you think Chris Wood sort of knows that he'll just be... Because obviously he was playing, I guess now that Burnley are potentially getting relegated, he's maybe happy move but I just wonder whether in his mind he was going to be Newcastle striker and now you know I wonder whether he knows he's going to be second or third choice I don't know uh you would you would think you know he can't be so blind as to not understand what Newcastle's ambitions are mm, like um, what sort of you know when they first spoke to him what sort of promises they made him etc et mm, um I mean Maybe they just promised him Premier League football next year. Mm. Uh, maybe that was one thing they wanted to, to ram down his throat. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't see it. I think if, if Newcastle do that, I think that's a real failure from a transfer point of view. The only thing that might save him is financial fair play if Newcastle just yeah. decide to spend their millions elsewhere in the team yeah. and not focus on that striker. Will uh, Joel Linton still be a centre mid? <laughs> well, he's... I mean, I'll, get, I'll take my hat off to him. He's transformed himself... A lot this season under Eddie Howe. Mm. Um, whether he's done enough to convince Eddie Howe that he's a centre mid for the future, I don't know. I don't think he'll be sold, yeah. but I can see him not being a regular starter. But again, it really depends on where they spend their money. Mm. If they're intelligent enough to not start spending 70, 80 million on every player, because they're only going to get a couple of players yeah. doing that, um, then maybe so. But I think if New- Newcastle have to be clever. If they if they buy too many players, then they risk upsetting the balance of the squad. If they buy too many big name players, then that saves people like mm-hmm. uh, John Linton, Chris Wood, John Joe Shelby, those sorts of players. Um, I can actually see Chris Wood going back to Chris Wood. I could see him going back to someone like Leeds. Mm-hmm. He obviously was at Leeds yeah. um, before he moved to Burnley. Um, Leeds are in need of more players, so Chris Wood knows the club. Um, Bamford obviously is having a real torrid time with injuries right now and they've not really got anybody else to to back him up. So, yeah, I could see him going back to Leeds. I 
with respect that he's not going to get a move much higher no. than that sort of level. He's just not good enough, unfortunately, at this level. He's a old school striker that doesn't really fit into the modern day thinking of most Premier League clubs. Um, speaking of Leeds, did you see um, Rafinha's moment in the Watford game? We haven't actually spoken about that what game yet. Came off, or... yeah. We had the headset yeah, on. Yeah, and Sky were talking. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. It was a. So Rafinha put a headset on um, and they, obviously the commentators got wind that he was listening into the commentary and they said, hope you're listening, Rafinha. And he just put his thumb up in the air and started waving <laughs> with a big smile on his face. Yeah, he was loving it. So, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, job done for Eddie Howe, as we said. Big summer ahead of them. Um, what do you think is realistic next season for Newcastle or is it too early to say until we see what, uh, what they what they do in the summer? Yeah, I guess we need to see. But, I mean, they, they did a lot of business in January, didn't they? Um, and I pretty sure I said they were dead and buried um, I, although I did say it depends what players they sign in January and we've seen them now and they actually like, I think if I as a United fan I think I'd be worried about playing them especially in the current form we're in um, it's when weird. they get Trippier and Wilson back <laughs> well, this is, the thing is if you look at what Newcastle have signed or who they've signed Right now, you would argue the most influential player they've bought is probably Dan Byrne. Yeah. He's been a very, very shrewd signing from Brighton. Um, and I think that the Grimarish has only really started to start playing now. Yeah. Trippier did start well, but then obviously got himself injured quite quickly. Chris Wood has only scored, like, what, two goals for them? Yeah. And I think he, he has helped them run the line a little bit. Um, do you know what? One, one player that I've been speaking to Shearer about quite a lot is Alan St. Maximan. Mm. Mm. And I've said to him that I'm not sure he... You should... I, I said that you might consider selling him in the summer. I genuinely think that he is an incredibly selfish player mm. who actually is hindering Newcastle more than he's helping them right now. He has these moments where things will click and he goes on these runs and he will take out everyone and he will score a goal. But you watch him, he is so greedy, it is unbelievable. Mm. He just does not pass. He runs down these blind alleys, loses the ball and then puts the pressure immediately back on his defence. Mm. And if I was Eddie Howe, I'd be fucking fuming at him when he does that. Especially when you're under the cosh when you need your players to just look after the ball don't give it away cheaply. And he just runs through... He tries to run through people, almost like Traore used yeah. to. And I, I just think that... It, it's, it's If you're a Newcastle player, you get to this point where you think, when he gets the ball, I'm not going to bother running 50 yards to, to go and support you because you're not going to fucking pass it anyway. Mm. And it becomes a real vicious cycle then because if they don't trust that he's ever going to pass the ball to one of their teammates, they're not going to really work that hard to support him. Yeah. So, what do you think? Do you think there's a future for him, or do you think I that... do rate him? But my problem with him is he's just so injury prone. Mm. He's a bit like Callum Wilson. He'll, he'll play for two weeks and then he's out for three weeks. Do you think that there's a little bit of um, an inferiority complex to the point where maybe that's not the right term, but basically where he doesn't actually believe that the rest of the team is up to his standard? Therefore, mm. I'm not going to pass to them. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's exciting to watch. He's he's a very he's a flair player. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the fans, I mean, I'd quite enjoy watching him live. I think, um, but yeah, I, I for year, I, I don't know how long he's been there. For a while now, he's been above and beyond the best player. Yeah, a bit like a Zahara Palace, although Palace are actually looking quite decent now. But but that sort of player where you're like, he could probably play a higher level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, We'll we'll touch on Watford Leeds briefly, um, and then I just wanted to touch on the the Brighton situation. Give them a quick mention because they finally won a game. Um, big win for Leeds. Um, Roy Hodgson not looking good for him right now, is it? No, I mean Watford are they've gone up. I mean they've gone, aren't they? 
I had a, a quick good question actually from Shira during the week, and I can put to you to you both maybe. Maybe Dan. Maybe Dan. Yeah. <laughs> um, if if we're assuming that Burnley, Watford, and Norwich will go down, if you had to pick one player from each team to sign, who would it be? Um, easy from Burnley, it would be Corney. Yeah, likewise. Um, Norwich. I said Max Aaron's from Norwich. Yeah, the right back. Yeah. Yeah, a good shout. A couple of years ago, probably would have been Campwell, but he's I've not really seen much of him. Well, he's him not there anymore. Didn't he, didn't he get sold? Did he get sold? I thought he went to oh, he went down to the Middlesbrough, didn't he? Yeah, Was it Middlesbrough? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Watford. So there's a couple with Watford. Would have been Dennis at one point. Yeah. Um. And obviously that winger, what's his name? He's quite good. Yeah, I know which one you mean. The one who scored the overhead kick the other week. Mm. Yeah, I can't remember what his name is. Yeah, I mean, the obvious one with Watford. Uh, I I actually don't dislike Sissoko. I think he's mm. a good squad player. Um, is Ismail Assar is probably Sar, the obvious yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but he's not really shone that much this season no I think there was he scored a lot of goals from in the championship last year but yeah. there was a, I think there was a an expectation that he would step up because uh, I think a lot of people were surprised that he stayed at Watford last year mm. but I think maybe we've seen why maybe the teams weren't quite so interested a little yeah. bit like that Mitrovic type situation yeah. so yeah. on the assumption that Fulham come up you know big season for Mitrovic next year because if he fails again if he flops again then he's going to get that tag so um, Maxwell Cornet came from Leon as well did he? Mm. God it's written in the stars. I mean, they've been they've been uh, weakened, um, but yeah, I mean, if Watford must are on a very frustrating team. I mean, it's, it's about this sort of time after Hodgson's been at a club for sort of a month or so that you start to see the the discipline, the the organisational style of Roy Hodgson come out. Um, I'm just not seeing it nah. at all. They they just they look so far off the pace. Um, uh, yeah, they're they're dead and buried. For me, I, I, I still held out a little bit of hope for them. I thought if they could beat Leeds and um, put themselves back in the mix, I thought they've still got a chance and yeah. they can make it, you know, two two teams from three or two teams from four. But now I think it's it's going to be out of Burnley and Everton. I think that. the constant swapping of managers for Watford does them in, to be honest. At some point, you imagine it's always going to catch up with mm. them. There's no way you can keep doing that. And expect that formula to work. Yeah. I mean, it's got them a modicum the of success. Have got to constantly change tactics. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's brought them a modicum of success. I mean, they got to the FA Cup final. I know yeah. they got battered, but they got got to the final, mm. which is more than you know, which is a lot, a lot of clubs would aspire to get to. Um, but you know, they've had some decent seasons where they finished in mid table, which for a club like Watford is a you know a decent achievement. But at the same time, they've also been relegated with it. Yeah. At some point, you're going to have to argue that that system just doesn't work anymore. And you can't keep sacking managers at the first attempt. Maybe spend a bit more time actually getting the right manager in rather than just the first person who knocks on the door of the chairman and says, I'm a manager from Italy. Mm. So, um, yeah, uh, just so just to round off uh, the football chat this week, um, Arsenal, big, big loss against Brighton. Probably should have covered this earlier when we were talking about the top six stuff, but um, massive, massive win for Brighton. Um, I think it's, I'm right in saying it's their first time they've won away from home this year. This, in, in this calendar year, right back up to eleventh as well. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a massive win for them because the, I think the fans have been getting a bit annoyed. There's been a lot of uh, mm. sort of sarcasm coming out of the ground where Graham Potter actually openly said to the fans, "Please stop shouting, shoot at my team." That <laughs> um, they scored two good goals. Uh, Arsenal, yeah, 
weren't very good. No. But a uh, big, big result for Brighton. Do we think that um, Gary Potter might move on in the summer or do you think that the lack of form this second half of this campaign is going to sort of Tate. keep interest away from him? Is it Gary or Graham? Graham Potter, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, no, I think he'll be at Brighton next year. Yeah. wonder if they'll find a striker finally. Yeah. I don't know how many times we have to keep having this conversation about Brighton <laughs> before they work it out themselves. So, right, okay, well, that just about does us for the football chat this week. Let's move on to this. Down the stat, man. So this was the 19th time that Chelsea have scored six-plus goals in a single Premier League game, the joint most of any club level with who? Oh, the obvious guess is United. It's not, no. Uh, I, don't City, I don't think City have been... Hmm? What team? Not the winner, but... Oh, winning. joint with Chelsea. Oh, Arsenal? No. I don't think it'll be City. They've not been dominant for long enough. Or is it? Is it City? It is. I wow. I thought they wouldn't have been sort of their dominant selves for yeah, long enough yeah. to get that sort of stat. And um, fun fact, coincidentally, Southampton have shipped shipped <laughs> six plus goals more than any other team. That's not a stat you want to hear, is it? <laughs> Especially as quite a few of those have probably been under Houston, who was uh, tenure as well. Right, okay. Um, what's, what, what are the scores? Can we remember? Seven, something. Four. Seven, four. Is it seven, four? Yeah, seven, I think you're starting to get away. Lovely, lovely old job. Right, well, it's time for this. Yes, so can confirm 7 4 to Chris at the minute. So this week we're at St. James's Park. Okay. In Newcastle, for reference. <laughs> <laughs> How many miles is it to the Amex Stadium? Um, okay. Yeah. 325. Ooh, I've gone 4.50. Dan, three, four, five. Ooh. How many miles is it to Westminster Cathedral? I'm hoping you both know where Westminster Cathedral is. <laughs> I have... You must know. What? Where, where, yeah, I know where Westminster Cathedral is. I have a question is. if you know. Uh, yeah, you don't know. Good. London. <laughs> Think about it, though. Where we were before, where we are. Yeah, I've gone... Two nine five. Mm. One two six five. Dan. Two eight three. <laughs> How many miles to Cardiff University? Um. Now don't go mad here. Just think about where you were. <laughs> Wales. I mean, I I know like on the map where they are. Um, okay, yeah, I'll go with that. I've gone 310. I've gone the other end of the scale. I've gone 175. Dan, you're smashing this. 315. Wow, it's a lot further away. I just the way you said that made it sound like it was a lot closer than... I just thought because it's almost like a diagonal yeah. line, like that yeah. way, yeah. Um, How many miles to the Tyne Bridge? Okay. 
Kings and James's Park. Um, lucky number seven. I've got four. Yeah, Chris, two. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> niche. The National Museum of Scotland. <laughs> Can't even remember what it is to be fair. Scotland. <laughs> we might do you know what my, my knowledge of I don't even know roughly where like places like Edinburgh and, and yeah, Glasgow yeah, are. Scotland, I know I just I just it's, it's like it's like north of the wall in Game of Thrones, it's just up there. Uh I might have gone two hundred and twenty-five, I've gone. Oh, motherfucker, that's what I put. Um higher or lower. <laughs> yeah, I will go I'll go a hundred. Yeah, Chris, hundred and four. <sighs> <laughs> How many miles? Now, I'm, this is presuming you guys know where it is because you might not, but the broadcasting house. It's the BBC Broadcasting House. Oh, okay. Um, Consider where we were at before. For, I, mean, I can't remember. I've got what I wrote and I got it down that I got that one wrong, but I didn't put what the actual answer was. Um, okay, yeah. I will say... Chris, yeah, go on. Um, I've just got the exact same answer, 295. I'll go 285. Yeah, 283. Oh. Chris. I had 295 written down originally, so that's why I changed it. All comes down to this then, Dan. It's three all. Oh, fuck, I can't remember where this is. <laughs> the National Motor Museum. I think I know where that is. Well, that's a very niche one for him, isn't it? I will say it is okay. Yeah. Uh, so, do you even know roughly where it is? Have you got a clue? I think. Okay, where do you think it is? Bracknell. Uh, well, if it is, it's not where I thought it was. Oh. But I, you know, I could be equally as wrong. All right, well, three hundred. I think it's in Birmingham, somewhere near Birmingham. I've got 190. Well, Dan, it's in, according to Google, it's in Livington. Livington? Yeah. Okay, so... Then what? <laughs> is it Livington? Where's Livington? Um, is it Livington? I thought Livington... Oh, no, it's the New Forest, apparently. Oh, oh it's not Bewley, is it? It's not yeah. Be oh, it's Bewley. Of course Bewley. it is. Fuck's sake. Not Bracknell. Beauty Moat Museum. I've been there so many times. I don't know that. I didn't know that's that was the I National Moat Museum. Yeah. I knew there was a Moat Museum. I didn't know it was the National, national one. I was thinking Beauty, not Bracknell. But there is one in Birmingham, isn't there? Yeah, I'm sure there is. Yeah. We've been up there a few times with work. Well, Dan's nicked it for free. That makes it seven five. That was a close one this week. Yeah. I um, going like three and up, and then absolutely. <laughs> 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 right. Uh, well, good to be back in yours, everybody. Um, we, as you know, we've 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 found ourselves a new home on uh, for the podcast. We're now on Anchor. We will still be releasing this on SoundCloud as well, but it's not SoundCloud that's doing the distribution for us. So, hopefully, I haven't heard anything from the people that have asked. Everything has been smooth. Everybody's feeds are still working. Whether they listen to Amazon or iTunes or Spotify, wherever they listen, hopefully, everything is still 
working. That took me a little while to work all that out the other week, but I think it. I think it's fine. Um, also, I took part in a another podcast last week, uh, just before I came down with COVID. Um, the Jamie and Matt podcast is available to listen to on Spotify and on iTunes. If you want to have a listen to me talking about the podcast and a bit more about me and other bits and pieces I do, feel free to give that a listen. Um, and otherwise, we thank you very much for listening. We're on episode 81 now. We're getting closer to that 100 mark. So we will see you all again very soon. Bye. Bye.